Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Neon Twilight with Solaris Blue Raven, our hostess. It's going to be an exciting evening, and uh, I know where we're going to start. I don't know where we're going to finish, but I know where we're going to start. Um, <clears throat> but I want, I want to make sure that I get Solaris' information out there. She does do two shows, one on KCOR and one on Freedom Slips Radio. And both of those shows are, are fascinating shows. She also has, I think, four books out, five maybe counting her Mr. Moon book, um, all of which are easy, profound, in-depth books to read. And they're the kind of book that you can go through, and then you have to go back through it again and again and again and again because she does give you so much information. Uh, she is she is a wise, wise teacher and seeker, and um, it's an honor that she has decided to spend at least one night a month with us here, um, helping to bring some light into um, some of our lives anyhow. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about um, Egyptian mummification and, and really what its true purpose is and what sacred burial is and why. And um, that's where we're going to start out, and I hope you um, stick with us, because if you come in later, you'll never know where we started. So welcome to the show, Solaris. Well, thank you, Barbara, and thank you for the beautiful introduction, as always. And yeah, I look forward to our monthly gathering in connection to doing the show. It's so wonderful. And yeah, it was a joy connecting with you. So thank you. Well, it's always so much fun. You know, we we know where we start, but we never Mm -hmm. end there. Um, we've had a couple of shows where we, we almost got all the way through, um, mm-hmm. but but for some reason or other, we got slightly distracted and uh, <laughs> went off in another direction. 
explains why we're on this planet, right? Well, it does. And, you know, it's interesting. (laughs) Well, well, you know, it's kind of, you know, you know, did you ever um, watch the movie Up? It's a cartoon. Yeah, yes. And the yes, dog there, so yes, you know, squirrel. That that's how I feel mm-hmm. sometimes when when we're doing a show. It's like <laughs> we're we're going we're cranking right along, and then suddenly a squirrel. <laughs> Lord knows what the squirrel is, so but true. we're off in another direction. Yep. And it doesn't. Very it true. doesn't. Well, take, that's okay. But uh, well, I I think that's important because you know that the, that means that both of us are certainly very open to going where spirit directs us instead of gritting our teeth and saying, nope, we're talking about this and we're not going anywhere else. Right, exactly. So, yeah, we're very we're nebulous, I think. That's, yeah, I would, I would say that... I like that. Yeah, I, I think we're, we're very in the flow, so to speak, and, and so long as it's not mm-hmm. a squirrel, we're fine. But um, That's right. Well, I don't know if you if you suddenly said to me, "Guess what? They found a treasure on Oak Island." I would be off off onto googling what the heck it was. So, you know, oh, for sure. ten years, yeah. I speaking of which, I, I guess we'll have to look later. No, I was kidding. <laughs> you know, I have followed that show for ten years, and I just know I know absolutely if I quit following it, they'll find something. Wow. So, well, you put it so, out there now, so we'll hear from it probably in about a week or so, right? No, no, if if I stop watching, then that's when they'll find something. So, okay. And I can't stand not watching because I don't want to miss it if they really do find something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's with archaeology, they've found a lot of good stuff. It's just that they haven't found a treasure chest full of gold and, or the, the Ark of the Covenant or... You know the the chandelier from the great temple, or you know, you know all of the things they have said that they were going to have on find, that they were hopeful were going to be there. Well, that's what they're telling but, us about, anyways. Well, it makes for great advertisement. Mm-hmm. But tonight <laughs> we're focusing yeah. on Egyptian mummification and its true purpose, and. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a long process. It takes about a month or so to actually mummify a body, or more than that. Mm-hmm. I believe so. Um, what's interesting about it to me is that the reason I want to do this topic is, is it's like, um, what was the obsession with immortality, first of all? We all know we're immortal beings and energy beings and spirit, soul, consciousness. But to them, the body was very significant insofar as protecting or mummifying it to such a degree that it would be, um, I, I guess it seems like it would be accessible for the afterlife, which to me doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I, I guess I'd like your feedback on that because if you want to preserve the body like that and you're in another realm of consciousness, I mean, what would you want with your physical matrix here? You know? Well, I, I, I do believe that the, that the philosophy was that, you know, the, um, the, the tubes that went out to the outside were where the, the spirit could go and then come back. So that so that they knew that there was mm-hmm. a spirit in the body, and mm-hmm. they did preserve. Um, I find I found it fascinating that they preserved organs, but they didn't mm-hmm. preserve the brain. Right. Which, yeah, that stood out with me too. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, you need a heart and a liver and stuff like that, but um, without 
the the brain, how do you animate? And of course, I guess they're figuring that if you're immortal and that you don't need the brain anymore because your spirit is then in total control and there's no consciousness to debate it. Um, mm-hmm, right. I guess. Exactly. Well, and also and the put, idea behind it. Oh, go ahead. And, and they put the little statues in there to serve. And, mm-hmm. and, and let's face it, those little statues couldn't lift a tray. So mm-hmm. were the little statues supposed to suddenly pop into full-size people to serve um, the pharaoh when he was animated again? Yeah, it almost sounds like a ritual, and of course the energetic signature would probably go into the field, you know, the ether, wherever they're navigating to. But what never made sense to me, even if that was to preserve the body for their spiritual afterlife with the mummification, you know, it, the physical body is there and it's mummified. And, and honestly, um, do you really want to revisit your corpse, I guess is the question. And I found that to be kind of backwards for so-called advanced civilization. I understand the mystery school consciousness aspect, but to me it seems like it's, uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense why you'd want to do that with a vessel that literally will never be reanimated unless it becomes a zombie of some kind. Or maybe there's a regeneration aspect to it that we don't know about where they could actually regenerate the entire matrix of the body itself to a point where it's just like it is, you know, before it died. Well, theoretically, it crossed the river Styx or whatever, whatever you know, goes for the river Styx in Egypt. And so it it went to wherever spirits go then why would the spirit want to come back and why would they put food in food in the tomb if it's immortal and dead and it doesn't Mm -hmm. need food right i agree unless that's to appease the and well i don't want to say entities but maybe some spirits around Uh, there may be the aspect of maybe the causal body or something that's some aspect of the body that's still lingering to maybe appease it so that it can navigate and move on or maybe to feed the people they feel in the tomb to serve the King, you know, until they mm-hmm. die. Until they die. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. But no, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me either. And there is there are such rituals connected to it that mm-hmm. in all of the history of the Egyptian gods that I have that I'm aware of, and it doesn't mean I'm aware of everything, but the ones that I am. Um, None of their gods were ever mummified. None of their gods mm-hmm. ever ever died. Really, well, they died, mm-hmm. but then they came back and they were they were full. They were healthy and they were functional, and you know they they were they were restored to their physicality. But you know, when you mm-hmm. take pieces of the body out, mm-hmm. um, what's the point of reanimating it when you know you have to you have all the Coptic jars there? with all the, mm-hmm. you know, vital organs in them. They're all wrapped up like crazy, and they've been stuffed with salt to absorb all the moisture right. out of the body. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, who would want, I mean, of course, I guess they never saw what a mummy looked like after about 100 years. So, mm-hmm. to, I mean, to be reanimated that way, to me, would, would not be... Um, I wouldn't be desirous of coming back to something mm-hmm. that was, you know, that dried and brown and, you know, worn out mm-hmm. and empty. Right. So, exactly. So, no, I see it like that, too. 
even cryogenics would be better than that. I mean, there's a, there's a potential to resurrect to some degree you know, if you have advanced technologies, but it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I kind of reminds me of the movie The Mummy, you know, where he gets reconstituted, but it's always like a zombification of, of what they were. And, and I, think, yeah, I think it was like 70 days or something like that. So it does take a while when they're doing the mummification, if I'm not mistaken. But still, to me, I feel like, um, they're, they're, you know, I always look at the pyramid, especially the Great Pyramid, as a place where you can transmute alchemically, but also it's like the transmutational aspect, um, alchemy of the soul and the spirit, where the light body, Tumacaba, I mean, like they talk about the Hulk of the Mente, you could, tra- you could traverse the galactic highway, but you're not physically dead. So I, I look at this very differently insofar as what started this whole idea behind the preservation of the mummy itself. And it's interesting, you know, when I started looking into it. Yeah, but, you know, look at what else they mummified. They mummified cats. They mummified dogs. They mummified right. Bulls, for Pete's sake. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, where? Wh- why? You know, I, I'm going to think. Mm-hmm. You know, where do bulls go when they're dead? I mean, I do believe they have souls, but um, I, I just it it. You know, you brought this up, and the more I've thought about it, the more I think of. You know, it's just downright dumb. Why? Why did they do this? Mm-hmm. And I agree. Yeah. I don't think it's as, as uh, evolved as, as people would think it is. It just doesn't resonate on that level. And like I said, initially when we go to the museums and we see the mummies and we see, you know, and of course they have the adornment and the gold and, and it's so pretty. And you think of it as, well, respecting the dead and respecting that being and then doing something to honor that person while, they, while they're dead, you know, like we have ceremonies for and, and funerals, this, that, and the other. So I can imagine they're doing something spectacular to preserve and honor that physical body, but still... There's something strange about it. And I think you're right. The whole idea that they didn't think the brain was useful is just like, what? <laughs> I mean, to me, these are, these are supposedly, I know they went, did not build the pyramids, but my idea behind this is, what? <laughs> Your brain yeah. not worth anything? Of course it is. So, and I get the heart, you know, the, the aspects of the heart, and that's the center. A lot of people see the heart as more uh, prominent than the brain itself, but still, very interesting. Well, and when you stop to think about it, they cut out the vital organs. But they took the brain out through the nose. Mm-hmm. Right. They could easily have just hacked off the back of the head and sucked it out. Um, True. Because there was nobody going to use that body ever again. But mm-hmm. so if it was, you know, you know, fast forward to Christianity and and um, resurrection and. You know, what we do after, you know, someone has gone, we recognize the spirit is no longer there. They, the Egyptians, recognize that a spirit or the ka, I think I think it's the ka, mm-hmm. it's a two-letter word, I think it's the ka, um, leaves the body and is judged. So mm-hmm. so the, anima, the animatory, ambulatory part of the corpse is gone. Mm-hmm. And right. Well, secondly, there have been no mummies discovered in pyramids. Correct. So the pyramids right. were really not part of the whole burial thing. I agree with that. I mean, totally. The tombs were. So, mm-hmm. um, and the tombs were to um, provide, you know, a home. I guess for the spirit because the spirit would come and go. I I think there was something about 
uh, I think, oh, I know what I read. I read that um, the spirit, you know, was free to go and be judged mm-hmm. and everything else. But unless the body was there, it couldn't return to earth. That makes sense. Yeah, I think we had that discussion before, and that makes perfect sense to me because if you don't have a a, a body to reanimate, or even a, it's like a tether, in my opinion, the bio suit and the skeleton and the bones, if, if it's here yeah. uh, physically buried or something, I think it's definitely more anchored in, and tethered to the earth versus being more liberated from this world. So that would make sense yeah. to me. And it does seem like they were obsessed with reanimating the body. In other words, they learned it from somewhere that there was a way to reanimate, but I don't think they had it right. That's another aspect of it as well. <laughs> And that could have been from the visitors, you know, that they just were inspired enough to do something similar but really didn't get it. But it's, it's interesting, um, the whole procedure and so far as what they were doing. And, and they did learn a lot, from what I understand, on the medical level and so far as organs and this, that, and the other. But uh, it's just, yeah, it gives you a whole different perspective on, on the burial and what that was about. But to me, it would create more of an earthbound entity for sure because it's not allowing it to move on. But, it, you know, in a well, if that was the case, you'd have a whole bunch of old pharaohs walking around Egypt. Um, well, who's to say we don't have entities wandering around like that? Well, that's spirits true, too. of the dead. I think we do have I a mean, lot of spirits of the dead. Well, we do, but I don't think they're ghosts and haunting people. I think, I, I believe, spirits come back to check on stuff. Um, yeah, possible. I, I would almost swear... I now. I have a grandmother who died at um, 89. She, she, was, she was up there. And um, mm-hmm. she was a very prim and proper New Englander. And um, she was in the DAR. And when I was three years old, she joined me into the CAR. And I have been a member ever since. And my mother said, what did you do with, you know, the pen, you know, for, for the DAR? Because I have it. And I said, mm-hmm. I keep it and I keep my membership active because I know my grandmother will come and haunt me if I cancel it. Oh, <laughs> that's great. Well, she probably And would, I huh? believe that. I believe I mm-hmm. would see the specter of my grandmother someplace if I ever decide to not pay those dues. Wow. But, um, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't wild. scare me, but I, I, I don't want to see it anyhow. <laughs> Right. Well, I think that's true. You know, the, you know, the whole idea behind love never dies as long as you remember the being, right, the person. And I think that's what it's about. It's about how your mind is syncing up with the spirit of the dead and bringing them into your realm. And I think that's, well, it's esoteric insofar as ritual. That's how we do it with ritual. But that is the yeah. idea behind keeping them in your thought and your psyche so that they, they, there's an interaction there. There's a connection there that still cannot be severed. At least it seems that way with me. And it seems like most of that is established through the heart and the emotional body on a lot of levels. Yeah. And, and if you think about it, too, the walls of the tombs were covered with the um, the lifetime of the person that died. Mm-hmm. So in a way, does that person have to be reminded of his earthly existence and come back and be right. reminded so that he can walk exactly. around? And that may that may well be the purpose of that. Um, Highly possible. And like I said before, it's almost like a tether. It almost keeps them more encapsulated into that realm. And the idea behind them being in a place where it's more buried, like buried, like a place where they're, to me, I don't know, I'm a free spirit. So I don't like that aspect of just being put away somewhere in a room that's really dark, even if there's a lot of pictures and this, that, and the other. I don't know. Just something about it doesn't resonate. 
but that's just me on a spirit level. But for me, I'm just like, you know, move on and, and just be part of that cosmic ocean versus right. linger around and watch your, you know, have a, there is a review in, in my opinion. I think there is a review people go through just like a, a uh-huh. reflection of where they've been on the timeline, but then they move on and there's nothing persecution and judgment. Although when it comes to the Egyptian um, belief systems, it seems like they were more convinced that there was, um, you know, you did have to weigh the soul to some degree and the actions of the soul. And, you know, if you didn't make it out, then I guess, Earthbound or reincarnated to some degree. No, I think you went. You I were sent to the. Thing. You were sent to to their equivalent of hell. I think. Right. Well, exactly the abyss. So wouldn't that be Earth? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, I mean it, it's interesting, but it's all based on your belief system. So it's, once again, it's given to you according to your beliefs. And if the person who transferred out didn't believe in any of that, then I imagine they would break that paradigm up. But it is. It's just like this is what I mean by the encapsulation of a thought form. And how powerful it can be for when you're navigating even after you die. That's why I think people should be very clear on what they're doing on the, while they're here and also when they leave. Like mausoleums, well, you know, another thing. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, in mausoleums. Are, there's a place in New York where uh, it's the most beautiful park ever. And it's it's where um, Woolworth is buried, where, where Marge and Gower Champion are buried, where... Um, and and some of the mausoleums are they're churches they're huge. Mm-hmm. Now I don't see a point yeah. to that. I mean stained no, glass windows either. and the whole thing. Wow, are they? And I, this is I, another thing I never really understood. Well, go ahead. Uh, but no, it, it to me it's it's like why spend money like that when no one's going to enjoy it? Um, Exactly. Well, another thing is, would you like to be buried with a bunch of strangers? Because I, I always think about things in cemetery. I know this is a strange thought, right? But think about it. Everybody's like, oh, it's so peaceful in the cemetery. But really, you're buried with a bunch of strangers unless you're in the Masonic area or someplace that's designated, right? Um, and to me, it just seems kind of weird. I don't know. It just seems kind of odd that you're just put in the ground with a bunch of people you don't even know. And everybody, you know, I don't know. There's a strangeness to the whole process of burial and, and what they do. Well, see, I think I think cemeteries are the best place in the world to have a picnic because there's right. no spirits there. No spirit <laughs> is going to just hang around by their grave. They're going to go find what the living are doing. So then, right. and they're not anchored to their grave. So no. so there are no spirits there. I I have yet to be in a cemetery where I saw a spirit. Right. I see them no, I agree everywhere else. I, I see them everywhere else, but they're not in, they're not in cemeteries. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is peaceful and park like to you know if it's if it's a nice mm-hmm. cemetery, um, and and you know I always I always kind of if I'm going to do a picnic or whatever I, I put it close to an old grave so I can say oh this is my great great grandma I've come to pay my respects and you know not knowing mm-hmm. who the heck it is but. Just in case somebody comes up and says, what are you doing? I'm visiting right. Grandma. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people have picnics on, um, they they celebrate their ancestors. Well, I know they do it like the Day of the Dead, but the idea behind celebrating your ancestors and having a picnic or, but it's more for them for having emotional connection versus the, the, the being that's, you know, supposedly preserved underground. I mean, like you said, there's nobody there. I mean, there's a, there's a resonance. And in my opinion, the bones themselves are resonators for communication, just like the ancient skulls. We've talked about crystal skulls before, but to me that is a, a connection to a different realm of, of the supernatural where we can access our ancestors or something more. 
So the bones themselves, in my opinion, do have that frequency and resonance to be able to communicate as a medium almost. That's just my, my take on it. Well, they do, but but isn't the spirit just as easy to connect to? For us it is, yeah. But some people don't look I mean, at it like that. I mean, um, yeah, I, agree. I need a thread usually to get to somebody. Um, someone asked me to, could I tune in to, I forget who it was, somebody really famous. And I said, no, I don't have a thread to that person. Um, <laughs> and, and it's sort of like my friend Jeannie, you know, I can connect to her father or her grandmother because I have the thread through her, through her and her family to get to the energy of that spirit. Mm-hmm. But I have no thread to get through to um, Abraham Lincoln. No mm-hmm. connection, you no relation. Right, you don't have to oh. know him, but you could get into the energetic, I'm sure. Yeah, but I'm looking, for an without ex- being... I'm looking for an excuse sometimes not to be able to get into people. <laughs> no, I don't blame you. And anyways, what do you want to do with that anymore? Because that's an old timeline. I mean, that's already, uh, most of the time, a lot of that gets transmuted alchemically. Although the more people fixate on the past, the more they manifest it. So once again, it's, it's you know, that's another aspect of it. Well, and, and, and what I don't think people understand, and this is, this is only my perspective, yours may be different, and they're both right, but if I'm connecting to someone, say who crossed away, 15 years ago, and a family member wants to talk to them and ask questions about here, their frame of reference stopped at their death. Mm-hmm. So they can't, they can't yeah, give sense. you any, any information or opinions of anything that happened after they died. Yeah, I tend to yeah. correct. I, I agree with that. It, yeah. I mean, they move on. They, supposedly they move on. And this is my point is that a lot of people are obsessed with their ancestors that have passed on. I mean, some people just can't let go and you can honor them as they move on. But I think that it's good to let them let them move energetically speaking. And most of the time people get their answers through, you know, this as well as I did, through their higher self, through our soul, through creator source. I mean, there are other methods of getting information without going through an ancestor, unless you're looking for a vault somewhere with some money in it. Which, of course, <laughs> I think you did do something like that. <laughs> did you do a reading for something like that or no? I I did. Um, yeah. It's funny. I did. I had a spirit circle in, oh gosh, Richmond, Virginia, and there were two sisters there, and their father had died, and I, you know, I I came to them and I said, you know, there's somebody standing right between the two of you, and they seem to be connected to the two of you, and they're and they're spitting mad, and they looked at each other and say, that's daddy, and and it was. And um, so, so he was he was angry at them because they had not buried him in the suit he wanted to be buried in. And they said, "Well, we gave that suit to um, a friend," which made their father even angrier. And I said, and 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 I described to them the suit that he was buried in, and. <clears throat> They said, yeah, it was old, and, you know, he didn't even wear it anymore, and we we figured, you know, who cares? We couldn't even give it to Goodwill. And and, and so I, I stood still for a while, and I heard, I heard their father laugh, and I said, well, the joke's on you. You've been looking for the um, key to the safety deposit box, right? And they said, yes. I said, 
It's in the vest of the man you gave it to. <laughs> so ironic. And, and and it wasn't. And they said, well, you know, how can we keep? How can we make Daddy happy? And I said, send him a suit. And, she, and they said, well, he was cremated. I said, send it to him. And they said, how? I said, burn it. Mm-hmm. And yep. so they did. Yeah. But, uh, Very good. That's awesome. <laughs> Every, right every, on the money. I, I always, I I always got really cool stuff in spirit circles. It was always so much fun. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a blast. Yeah. And that's something you organized. Um, I I did it in bookstores. Um, if I was doing readings there during the day, we would have a spirit circle at night, and I would do the spirit circle, and then I would give messages to everybody from from relatives or if there was no relative there from, you know, a message of some sort. Mm-hmm. So but nice. it was a lot of fun. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It, cool. it was definitely one of the fun things I did. I, I used to do meditations and then give everybody a message. And the store owner said once after I'd been there for five years or something like that, and she said, do you do anything else? And I said, well, I do spirit circles, but I can't imagine anybody would want to have one, see one of those. And they they asked, and I described it. And after I did one, the store owner came up and said, you're never doing meditations again. You have to do just the spirit circles. So, Oh, nice. Very good. Yeah, they were fun. Yeah, oh, it sounds great. Now, of course, people probably needed that, too. Oh, yeah. No, it was, it was, mm-hmm. it was fun because everybody's life was just, you know, I can remember one couple, uh, a girl and her boyfriend, and you could tell that that he didn't believe in any of it, and she wasn't real sure. And so I came to her and I said, um, "Your father's here." And you know, they looked at each other like, "Yeah, right." And I said to her, "He's really upset that you didn't keep swimming." And the boyfriend looked at her and said, "What about swimming? You don't swim." And she said. Well, yeah, kind of. I did kind of. And he said, what do you mean kind of? She said, well, I tried out for the Olympics. <laughs> oh, jeez. There you go. Yep, right so, on. Right yeah. on. That's yeah, they're fun. fun. But, yeah. but, you know. And accurate. I, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I, I I always had a lot of fun with that. And, mm-hmm. you know, things things would happen like, all the wind chimes in the store would suddenly go off, and you know it was you know there was spiritual energy there. You know, it, of course, right? Yeah, of course, of course, cool stuff. That's so happens. nice. You know, that's like the good old days too. I don't know if that can be. I mean, obviously you can conjure that up anywhere, but nowadays it's so different. You know, I remember the old days in the magical bookstores that were just so unique, and that's before we had all the oh, internet yeah. stuff going on. And you have flyers, you know. Yeah, it, it just changes the whole dynamic. It's very, very interesting. But yeah, that's so neat. Yeah, the good old days were good old days. They were a lot of fun. Oh, they were, uh, yeah. Although I I don't think I would want to. Magic is always fun. You know, I don't think I would want to go back to reading in bookstores again or Mm -hmm. anything like that. No, no. I paid my dues there, too. (laughs) Well, you know, it it, it is paying paying your dues. I mean, I worked psychic fairs, too. And Mm -hmm. while while they, they were exhausting, I learned um how to um you know 
when when a bell rings, you stop, and a, and a bell rings, and you know you you go. I mean, to to do fifteen mm-hmm. minutes readings, and there's no time in between for a change. So you are closing up and saying goodbye and hi, and spreading the cards for another person. So mm-hmm. and that's that's a skill that you don't get right. unless you're pressured into it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. But yeah. But uh, awesome, yeah. No. Those those definitely. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I don't know. I know there are still metaphysical bookstores. I don't know if they have mm-hmm. readers in them or not. But they do. Um, yeah, there there are some here in Denver. Um, they they do that. They have uh, I think it's Isis Books. You know, Goddess Isis Books. She has one store that has uh, readers there. But this just seems so old school. You know, I don't know. It's, it's cute, but I don't. I wouldn't want to do that again like that. No. No. Um, Mm-mm. And 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 you know I don't think I have ever paid for a reading. Um, mm-hmm. You know I would trade readings with other readers, but oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But you know it's it's really it's funny when when I came to a point where it was like, why don't people realize they have control of their own lives and just take care of it mm-hmm. themselves? Correct. Why would you want to go to a stranger? And ask the stranger questions about your most private life. Well, you look I at mean, therapists. It's the same thing. I mean, you have people who, you know, whatever you want to call them, therapists that they go to for information. But, yeah, sometimes they trust spirit, you know, readers more than they do the therapist. Therapist is more psychological, and the spirit um, readers are usually more spiritual. Not all of them, but I guess that's why. But even that's even readers can only read from their own level of perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how do you yeah, tell where a reader is, yeah. you know, spiritually? Mm-hmm. I mean, right. that's a hard one. I agree. I think they're desperate, too. I remember back in the day, people would come in frantic. I mean, they would come in so disoriented and really just flipped out about, I don't know what, you know, not even important stuff. But I think a lot of it has to do with just teaching them how to meditate, how to tune into their higher selves. And, you know, a lot of that yeah. is now what we, you know, beings like us teach. And I think that they're they're getting it now, especially the Internet. There's no excuse not to be able to find information if you're if you're really willing to look for it, books and whatever else is out there, you know. Oh, yeah. No, I had <clears throat> I had one lady who called me once and she was panicked. She was crying. And she said... I, I, you know, I found your name. I saw you on the internet. I looked you up. You, you feel like you're really honest and, and sincere. And I said, well, I should hope so. But what's wrong? And she said, you have to help me, please. I'm desperate. And I said, well, I'll try. But you know, what's the problem? And, and I hope you're sitting down. And anybody who's listening, she said, <laughs> I tore my aura. And the psychic I usually go to to fix it is out of town. And oh I said, you tore your aura. How does she fix it? Well, she, she, she sews it back together. And I said, and, and is that expensive? And she said, no, no, it's only $500 to sew it back together. Wow. And I said, well, I don't sew auras, but I do. I do put them back together so that they will never rip again. It's a special spell so they can't be ripped by any force on heaven or earth. And she said, is that more money? And I said, no, 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 no. And and she said, can you do that for me? And I said, 
I'll do it for you if you'll promise me something. And she said, anything. <laughs> I said, you'll never go back to the lady who said she could sew your aura together. She said, okay, do it. And so I, I mumbo-jumboed it, and I, I said, okay, it's all set, and I have your right address. And she gave me the address, and I said, and that's where you are right now because that's where this spell is going, um, but it's going in the ether. And she said, okay, mm-hmm. okay. And I said, now close your eyes and take a deep breath. And she did. And, and I said, okay, it's there. She said, I felt it. And she mm-hmm. said, well, well, that's good. I said, I just want you to know there's a lifetime guarantee. It will never, ever tear again. It cannot be destroyed. She said, really? I said, absolutely. And she said, how much? And I said, pay it forward whatever it was worth to you pay it forward to a, to any to any one of the charities that you like mm-hmm. but if you don't nice. pay it forward it'll dissolve mm-hmm. <laughs> and i got a Such really a nice nasty story i i what got that? a really nasty i got a nasty letter from the one who sewed her aura <laughs> i never even heard of that before i mean i understand repairing the field but Sewing. It's a it's yeah. a great con. It's a great con. <laughs> well, remember the old days? They still had this. I, I mean, there are some charlatans out there. Do you remember the ones that would actually tell you to leave so much money in a cemetery for their ancestors or something? I don't know if that's real or not, but I remember hearing stories about all that. Do you remember it's that? It's very not? real. I have I mean, a surrogate what? daughter who I have a surrogate daughter who's a single practitioner, and she went to somebody and they told her this, and she put five hundred dollars in a can buried it where she was told, and came back home and called me and said, I think I did something stupid. And she told me, and I said, go get it. And she yeah. called me back. She said, it's gone. You <laughs> know what I would have done? Put a Monopoly 500 what? in there. <laughs> no, she put, she, put, she put 500 in cash there. On Jiminy. Wow. That's crazy. It happens. Wow. wow. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. Yeah. It's, or yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, this is another thing, you know, getting into the mummy thing. I know we saw, we must have seen a squirrel, but <laughs> the, um, but but the mummification thing too. I mean, is it were they afraid to that degree where they wanted to mummify? That's another aspect of it. And also, um, it just seems like, what about curses? What about curses in general? I know you and I kind of take. I don't really believe in curses. I think it's the power of the mind. But but in your uh-huh. opinion, what do you think? What's your take on all that? Well, you know, I think they they were they were almost panicked that something would happen to the mummy. So it had to have some some um I, I you know, there were there were pharaohs whose bodies were taken out of their tombs and hidden in another place so that their bodies couldn't be destroyed. So mm-hmm. um there there was something about the physicality of it that was needed in order, I guess, for them to come back into this realm. Um, but, you know, even if they did, let's face it, that mummy couldn't walk around. It was tied up tight. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Well, what about grave robbing, too? I think that was another thing they were probably more worried about. It would sound like it anyway. You know, the aspect of the grave robbers coming in and trying to take well, something. And then there was also, oh, go ahead. Yeah, they were buried with a lot of jewelry interwoven in the wrappings. So they did, mm-hmm. obviously, the, the, the thieves that, you know, did the grave robbing didn't believe in those uh, 
curses or those superstitions. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the other aspect of the tongues, I think, were removed and then replaced with pieces of so-called gold or something in that. So that's another aspect. That would that would be intriguing for people to rip off. I mean, you have thieves around. But isn't that interesting oh, how the whole ritual is just, I mean, think about what they do to, um, it's almost like desecrating the body versus preserving it. Oh, definitely they desecrated it. But how about the um, the habit of, and I think this goes, I'm not sure where this goes back to. My background is New England, so it may be back that far or further, that they used to put money on the eyelids to pay the um, the guy who was going to take you across the river sticks. I, I don't know how far right. back yeah, that yeah. goes. But it goes mm-hmm. back a good right. a good distance. So mm-hmm. even though even though it's superstition, it's fresh enough superstition so people will follow it just in case it's true. Right. Well, everybody has a lucky penny, you know that kind of thing. Or you see a penny, pick it up. Or even the fountain aspect. I mean, the whole idea behind throwing a, a coin in the fountain and making a wish, right? Uh huh. Kind of superstitious, it, it, but fun. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much they put on the eyelids, but it was it was whatever the fare was to get across the river. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder, did anybody say, I don't have the money, I'm going to swim? I mean, um, again, yeah, really. story, stories <laughs> that, that <laughs> I'm saving the money myself and I'll just swim for it. Um, but, you know, the stories and, and everything, I, I wonder if they're real stories or they're just myths that have been made up. I agree. Or even when somebody's on an, in an altered state of consciousness, whether it's through some kind of a drug or hallucinogen or just basically they're just in another universe. But, yeah, highly yeah, possible. And then, like I said, and, and with all the spiritual work beings like us, do, I, it, to me it just feels like energy and consciousness. There's none of this drama that people think is like the persecution and this, this and that. And to me it just feels like navigation. You just go and you just navigate and, there's, and it's, a, it's a smooth sail. Um, but that's just the way I look at things, energetically speaking. But I, I think the more people fixate on this uh, ritual aspect of it, and I come from backgrounds where we did ritual, but it wasn't like we were doing it in a, in a weird belief system way. We were doing it more theater, theatrical. But uh-huh. I, I can say it. I find it to be just energy and consciousness in the end, and that a lot of this stuff isn't really necessary unless it's just something that the people that are doing it need to do to release something in themselves. Yeah, I, I, like, I've had a lot know, of I've had a lot of people on the show, probably within the last six months, that have talked about um, what happens when we die, and basically mm-hmm. it's 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 death to one level of of existence, but birth into another, so that it's not really death, and mm-hmm. it, it's it's you know they spoke of how how um, how as as humans we are living in a three-dimensional world that is really a holographic projection of a two-dimensional world where our soul really is and that that we have one foot in two dimensions and one foot in three dimensions and that at at death we go back into the two-dimensional realm Well, I guess that depends on where you come from. I, I see it more that we're multidimensional, so I don't see it as two dimensions at all. But that's just, uh-huh. I guess it just depends on perspective. But it does make sense in the sense of you're, you're transmuting alchemically and you're moving to the next level depending on your vibratory rate 
in your state of consciousness and what kind of work you've done. And it doesn't mean you're hardcore, you know, spiritualist, but just the idea behind being understanding the cosmos and your relationship as a co-creator. I think to me, that's how that resonates, but I can't speak for everybody. But and this is another thing. We've talked about this before. Well, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the idea behind death is really, in my opinion, a very bad program because I believe we're immortal beings, and if we were in the right space-time configuration, we'd be living over three, not necessarily 3,000 years, but at least 1,000 years old. So the idea behind having to die and this whole aspect of decay and dying and the, and the ceremony behind it, in my opinion, I think, I think it's opposite of what the cosmos is really about. I think it's more about infinite energy and immortality on a very high level. I, and, and depending yeah, no, on the frequencies, I, we yeah. wouldn't have to do that. I, I agree. And, and, you know, the reality here is that, that our body is just traveling in an avatar. We don't need the avatar. You know, we've become very accustomed to it, but it really is not us. And, mm-hmm. and um, so it, 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 it's sort of like you step out of a, um, a vibration that in many ways restricts you into uh, a greater vibration where you are not restricted and you're able to breathe again and and mm-hmm. move into new levels of awareness and kind of shake it off and and get uncramped because mm-hmm. in the in the etheric realm we have no form or shape which I love mm-hmm. um <laughs> <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. no spirit looks at another spirit and says, "Have you put on a few pounds there?" You know, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of plasma there. <laughs> yeah. What happened to your plasma? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but, um, but you know, it, it's it's kind of like we we are we are in many ways um, imprisoned by our egos and this avatar that we've got that that is yeah. that we're walking around in. And yeah, I, I think, think programming. The, yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things with with all the writing I'm doing, it it's kind of like our ego and the spirit within often have a wrestling match. Now the spirit always wins, but but the ego tries to control this reality and and you know, it it's it it can't because that restricts mm-hmm. our growth. So mm-hmm. uh so it, it, it's kind of an interesting concept that they have these huge edifices for for dead people, and you know there there are people that are homeless and living in the desert. That doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Right. No. Well, I agree. Well, nowadays they have the other aspect of there's none of this going on. Well, actually, you can get, in my opinion, if I'm not mistaken, I think they do mummification for like sixty-seven thousand dollars. Is that where I read about? But that's, um, I don't know if anybody want to be mummified, you know, <laughs> but, but it is still being done by, by eccentrics, probably people who want that sort of thing. You know, part of me thought well, it would be cool to be shot in the space, you know, but I'm just kind of strange like that. But, but yeah, um, I don't know. I, I just, it's very interesting, that whole idea behind the process itself. And yeah, I agree with you, though. People transfer out every day, animals that transfer out every day, and the energy and consciousness moves on, supposedly, unless they're earthbound to some degree. What would cause some someone to be earthbound? I would say I mean, it has to be entanglement, some hardcore well, issue where they've been entangled and tethered here. I mean, wait, when you stop to think, the soul, the spirit, the spirit, 
is eternal. Mm-hmm. And that is released at the moment of death. So why would it be um, earthbound? It would seem to me it would just zip right off. It should. Well, you know, that's a good point you make, unless there's some aspect, like maybe an afterimage that just lingers, and maybe it's not earthbound at all, but just didn't catch up, or maybe it was disconnected from the other aspect of the spirit soul, so that there was um, there's like a split. Maybe one aspect remained, and the other part went on. I'm just theorizing. Uh, you know, anything can happen. I have heard well, about heard earthbound it. spirits before. Well, yeah, I have too, and I just can't figure out what what binds them when um mm-hmm. first of all the body is clay it's just it's just mm-hmm. an avatar so the body dissipates eventually um so what would hold the spirit um maybe the will would it, the will to to be part of a family again or the will to be connected to a loved one um obsession insanity psychological damaging i don't know i'm just speculating but could be a lot of things. You know, you've heard about spiritual hauntings where one always hovers around the other one. Um, so who, uh-huh. who knows? I mean, I think that could be a possibility. But for me, I think break orbit. You know, just break orbit. Don't don't linger. Keep navigating and ascending. But that's the thing. You know. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> don't waste your rocket fuel lingering here and looking around on memory lane. You know, get out. Go. That's my motto anyway, in a nice way. Yeah, it's, it's my friend Jeannie's motto, too. She says she's going home, and I... Keep saying to her, well, mm-hmm. you just keep picturing it, and that's where you're going to go. Um, that's yeah, it's kind of like I those ruby slippers. But... Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's true, too, and you have to be careful because the mind will create a fabric for you, and if it's not a really true fabric connected to the true, what I call the full light universe, then it might be something that you don't want to, de- that's not your destination. So to me, and that's why I like the aspect of being co-creator to source, where we're navigating as partners, we're not, I'm always connected to creation, so I won't be, you know, disoriented or go someplace I'm not supposed to go. That's why uh-huh. I look at it. I can't believe there's so there's some place not to go. I, I to mm-hmm. me it seems that 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 a lot of the the negative things that we've heard have been given to us to to scare us into believing a different set of rules. You know, and mm-hmm. you know if you don't do this, you're damned to hell. Well, I don't believe there's hell. So. I agree. Totally. Or limbo or uh-huh. the other one. Even heaven, I mean, uh-huh. heaven can be boring if it's just a bunch of people you don't know. What what exactly is heaven? I mean, I get it, like, bliss and happiness and internal, eternal love, however you want to, def- you know, define it. But, but the idea behind some people's version of heaven is, like, really? Do you want to stay the rest of your days like that? That doesn't work for me. So I'm, I'm just beyond right. this. And I, I think that if, if any place I shouldn't have entered on, and I must say this, I know you don't resonate with it, but this world <laughs> to me is just like, <laughs> it was an accident. I well, I think I think a lot of people think heaven is a celestial rest home, and I don't. Mm-hmm. It's a right. it's it's more or less it's a stopping over place where, you know, mm-hmm. okay, this is what you expected. Here it is. Now move on, and right. you know, it's just it's 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 like a way station. It's mm-hmm. not the Stay end trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, I totally agree with that. I, I know Patrick but that's, once again, had a how concept. many centuries? Oh, go ahead. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so Patrick had a concept of where we went when we died, and you know, I said to him, "It's it's really pretty, but it's very restricting and very, you know." And he, after he finished telling me about it, he said, "You know, I, I better change that because it actually is." 
Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, the open. Yeah, and and yeah. yet it's funny because I've I've only felt his presence once, uh, and he died in 2012. So that's 11 years ago. Although yeah. there are moments, you know, if I'm doing an interview or something like that, and someone asks me a biblical question, I almost immediately have the answer. And I don't have the mm-hmm. biblical training for it. So, you know, he must be around there someplace just waiting for an opportunity to, you know, well, have sure. me say something that's intelligent. That <laughs> no, that totally makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny because I, I've talked to people, and I've actually known two of my, my relatives who've had well, my mother had a near-death experience when she was a little girl, and she saw. She said she saw a city of gold, and she saw angels, and she saw all kinds of heavenly things. And then she heard her mother calling her back. Now, is that just based on belief system, religion, indoctrination, religious indoctrination, or is it something more? And then my other sister, who had a near-death experience, she saw Jesus, or what she said she saw Jesus. Now, is that another thing where she is very um, spiritual like that? But is it just based on beliefs, or is it something more? So you have to look at it on those levels too. You know what's going on. Well, I think it's very real for them. Mhm. Right. Um, yeah. I'm I'm not sure if it happened to me that would be my perception of what I would see. Mm-hmm. You, you right. never know. I mean, you never know until you go mm-hmm. through it and and then then you can't come back and tell everybody, "Well, no, this is what I saw," you know, but but that was that was my experience. So, mm-hmm. right. um isn't it interesting how they always lot. tell you to come back, too? And that's I cut you off. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. But, but the idea is, yeah. and they always telling them to go, it's not your time. It's not your time. Well, what the hell did you have an accident for? Why were you in between realms anyway? I'm sorry. I could be a real grumpy kind of guardian if I was in between there watching over somebody. But think about that. It's always, oh, it's not your time. But they're there and they want to stay in this blissful mode of heavenly consciousness or whatever it is. And then it's always, they've always got to go back. They've always got to come back. Well, they're being sent back with a message. I I think almost everybody that I have spoken to that had a near-death experience um, has come back with a desire to serve, to be kinder to people, to contribute to um, society in a better way. I mean, very few people have come back and Mm -hmm. gone back to negative, you know, unhealthy ways. They're all changed mm-hmm, in some right. way, or way, shape, or form. And it may not be a huge change, but they are changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. And they're bringing part of that field back with them, too, and that probably changes the whole DNA and the state of consciousness. So, yeah, it makes sense. Definitely makes sense on that level. But, but you know, that, that same experience is not the same as people who have been or have who say they have experienced abductions either. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, that's more experimental. I mean, yeah, I don't think it's very positive. Or what's your take? No, I don't think it's very positive either. I, I think that I'm not sure I here's, – here's where, here's where I am today. I, I play – I doubt it with a lot of things. And, mm-hmm. and I would say I play – I doubt it with probably – 75% of the um, abduction people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think they're lying. I think they believe what they're saying they have, that happened. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, I do know there are military abductions. I do know the MyLabs are real. I do know the psychotronic interface is real. And it depends uh-huh. on the person. I think you, you can look at them and do an analysis on this. And I think there are a lot of mind games being played. And, and it's true. It is given to you according to your beliefs. And people can have delusions and this, that, and the other. But, but when you're interconnected with certain technology, it can create that. So I'd have to look at the person from uh, person to person and, and do an analysis on each one. But, yeah, nowadays, I think everybody and their mother is looking for a reason to be a contactee or an abductee. And I think that it's getting more cookie cutter. You know, it's just uh-huh. kind of getting out of control where, you know, yeah, I did that and I saw this and, you know, copycat kind of things. So you do have to look at it with a little more scrutiny. Um, but, yeah, well, I not, found it interesting. Not, not only that, but a lot of people who recall um, being contacted do so through hypnosis. And, and there right. may well be suggestions in the hypnosis that leads them into thinking that's what happened. Agreed. I totally agree with that. Yeah, that people plant seeds on that level, or they can, not all the time. Yeah, if, if it's real time, like where I've been with Interface, oh, no, there's no there's no uh, sleps there. Yeah, it just depends on the person. And um, if they're in a waking state of mind or if they're just resting, and, yeah, it makes a whole different a whole different um, scenario there. It's very interesting. But, yeah, well, they're trying to – I think we talked about that before, but the whole idea behind what's happening with um, DC now is – controlling the narrative behind UFOs, contactees, and anything else. So we'll see where that ends up with their PSYOP. Because it's going to get more enhanced, in my opinion. You know, they're just going to be playing with more and more of their toys and, and confusing the masses. Well, that's that's what really upsets me the most is that um, it's, it's like with World War II, um, they sprayed LSD in the subway systems to see how it would affect crowds of people. Wow, and they I, sprayed know, it? Yeah, they sprayed was it, it LSD? In, in Holy LSD. Cow. Wow, and that would put everybody in Disneyland. My goodness. Well, it, it, crazy. I mean, the panic, the panic that ensued convinced them to not do it again. <laughs> well, I remember that. I heard a lot of stories that they were experimenting with the, with the LSD. See, back in the day, I thought it was more. I, don't, I was thinking it was water, you know, contaminating water with that, but I don't know. Maybe I was thinking about something else. But yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. Not at no, all. The, the, and that opens the DNA. System. That's why I think the LSD was such a, a weapon of choice. But go ahead. Yeah, no, the subway system was it was something that really did happen, and mm-hmm. I think I think that the government on 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 occasion does does experiment on on society without permission. And mm-hmm. doesn't even blink. No, they so, don't care. You know, it bothers yeah. me. <laughs> well, it should bother everybody, but what they don't know won't kill them. Well, actually, what they don't know will kill them. But most people have no clue. I mean, something like that, even even something where the atmosphere is being contaminated or weaponized, is kind of above their heads. If, if you get hardcore wired into programs like where I've been with their connection technology, that's like uh-huh. something that should be in another universe. I mean... And it's amazing, but people just don't get it. And I think that they they would never be able to handle, a lot of people wouldn't be able to handle some of that stuff. But, yeah, they've been experimenting on people for a long time, and now we have a very um, interesting group of, of people in the military now who I guess think they're part of a breakaway. So, um, you know, they're just going full speed ahead in their own agenda. We'll see where that winds up. You know, the changing the name huh. to UAP I think is a huge red flag, and I think that that's controlling a narrative and trying to imprint the society with something that they want to control with their version of how they describe it versus I still say UFO just to be a, you know, oil and water kind of conflict because I don't want to be part of the um, narrative. 
Well, I I agree, and I think you know the the book Ken and I did that came out before Roswell. Um, and the reason that we started with Roswell was that up to Roswell, um, you kind of got clean reports. After that, mm-hmm. there was the government trying to say, no, no, this didn't happen, and 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 then the government was actually some of the UFOs, and yeah, you know, it just got worse and worse and worse and worse, and and now, um, you just you just don't know those objects that they shot down that were metallic uh, metal um, octagon mm-hmm. shapes. Haven't heard a thing about that. Right. Well, I think that if you yeah, talk to some of the people, I just right, I just noticed an interview with one of these FBI people, and you know, if everybody thinks that they're all credible because they work in those agencies, I'm sorry, they're they're designed to lie to the masses, and they might give you a little bit of tidbit of data here and there, but 90% of the data is going to be skewed. So it's like, yeah. oh, this person's with the military, and they've got a clearance, and they're telling the truth. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's when you're going to get the disinformation and the scrambling of information. You think for one minute they're going to blow their cover and their clearance for you? It's not going to happen. So it's really interesting to see. And, and like I said, I take what they say with a grain of salt, especially after I've been, and do my own analysis. And I think we have way more information on a cosmic scale than they uh-huh. would ever access, even with their clearances. So, but yeah, to me, it just seems like a psy war. It's just a light show in the skies. And, and I, uh, this is what bothers me the most, Barbara. I track the weather patterns here, and we've talked about this probably, but the, the, um, uh-huh. the, we get snow every day now, every single day. We're in late March, almost April. And sure, I'm in the mountains. And sure, yeah, okay. But I'm telling you, I watch these guys see the skies. I see the plumes. I see what they're doing. And within 24 hours, there it is. Temperature drops, snow or rain. Every single yeah. time. You tell me that's not a weather war? Of course it is. Oh, and geez, the sun yeah. was out early this morning. It's like I don't even see the sun anymore. And my relationship to the sun is just like I love the, I love to be powered up by that light, you know, and the energy. And uh-huh. it's just infuriating to me to not see a sunlight anymore. It's like you never see the skies anymore, the real skies. You can't see twilight, and you can't see anything. It's all obscured. So you don't know half the traffic that's going on out there, most of which is probably Space Force at this point. Oh, yeah. Well, I can, when I was um, eight, nine years old, we lived in um, Minnesota, and we saw the northern lights on a pretty regular basis. Mm. And, and now, mm-hmm. now you can't. You know, mm-hmm. the, the skies are so, <clears throat> are, are so full of crap. And, and, you know, it's, it's just, it's so sad. I used to like to watch the stars. I can't find a place where mm-hmm. there's a night sky, you know, anymore that, that I can mm-hmm. actually see the stars. Oh, and, yeah, I agree. Well, that's why I moved up here was to get away from everything in the city. And it is beautiful at night and you can see the stars. But now they put a flight path over the house and now it's all plain. They completely oh, went above and beyond to destroy the atmosphere up here. So, you know, I'm not kidding you. It's like every three minutes a plane is coming by. And I've complained to the FAA so many times it's not even funny. But, yeah, it totally takes away the beauty, the energy, uh, state of consciousness. Whatever you're looking at on a higher level, your divinity gets scrambled by crap. It's just disgusting. Uh-huh. It really is. No, it does It does make I, you wonder. Um, I, I think, you know, we used to look at, at pictures of, the smog in um, China and Japan, mm-hmm. and we don't realize that it's here. You know, we oh, yeah. are as as I mean, it makes sense here to wear a mask because you know there's stuff in the air. For, forget mm-hmm. forget 
viruses and stuff like that, there's other crap in the air that that hopefully mm-hmm. a mask would would help to to sort of filter out. Um, I'm so allergic mm-hmm. to um, the pollen that it's it's not funny. The last three days, the pollen has been 11 and 12 out of 12. Mm. Wow, wow, and that's huge. It, it, oh, yeah. You know, it's kind of like I look outside and I start to sneeze. Um, hmm. But it's 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 really it's been horrendous, and mm-hmm. you know I, I'm used to um, being outside working in the gardens and stuff like that. I'm now allergic to the sun because we don't have the filter in our in our oh. in our atmosphere anymore, and I'm allergic to the sun. So the sun hits my skin and I start to it starts to tingle. Really, that's strange. Yeah. Wow. I'm weird. Like you. No, you're not weird. <laughs> I think it's environmental weaponization, though. And, and like I said, I've noticed even with the, the geoengineering and the weaponization that they've been doing with the weather wars, uh, I, my nose is always getting congested when they spray. I, I've tracked it, so I know it's them. So, yeah, every uh-huh. single time I turn around, if they're spraying, because what goes up must come down. And sure enough, between the rain and the snow, which we're getting snow, and just to give you an idea, it's like 14 degrees right now. I've never seen it so cold, and it's all weaponized. So they sit there and they tell you that this is uh, global warming. Now, they're doing it, they're engineering it, they're weaponizing it, and, um, you know, it is what it is at this point. But it's definitely not very healthy. And I miss the sun. I miss I miss that beautiful light. I see it maybe for 10 okay. minutes a day. It's like being in a prison. And all of a sudden, it's gone. It's gone. And I watch these jets, and they almost look automated. I mean, I've been tracking these guys for a couple of years now. And I'm telling you, their jets look like there's no pilot. So... Either they're not driving, they're just sitting there picking whatever, and something else is piloting for them, or something else is going on. Did you see what they just released? Um, <clears throat> oh gosh, I, I don't know exactly when, but they have released a submarine that is automated, that does not need to have a human behind it, that can patrol the seas um, on its own patrol without having any direction, oh, nice. you know. By a human, whatever. Oh, great. What and, um, <laughs> and, <laughs> the mechanical well, jobs, right? we we released that, and and we had we had agreed to not release anything that didn't have a human um, operator, and of course mm-hmm. we released it. it. It can go for I think it said ninety days without having to come back to be refueled or recharged or whatever. Mm. And they released that wow. just as the Russians released one. That was similar, mm. except theirs carries a nuclear bomb. That's what I thought. That's that one that's really badass. I forget the name of it. But, yeah, I heard about theirs. How interesting. Well, I'm sure we're nuclear, too, right? We have to be. No. Uh, the one they well, just... they, no, they didn't say that it could carry a weapon. They just said it was a patrol. Mm. Oh, bull. It uh, has it, to be loaded with may... something. I'm not buying that. Yeah, I was going to say it may well have a nuclear weapon on it as well. They just weren't telling us. So, mm-hmm. right. So, well, of course, you know, under the, classification, national security. Yeah. These 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 um, um, automated drones could easily start World War Three. Except mm-hmm, we're already sure. in it. Um, you know. World War Four. Yeah. I mean, also they can be hacked remotely very easily too, and, and unless you have a really good firewall, a really good hacker, a really good uh, electronic warfare expert can hack the drone and get it reconfigured and all of a sudden your whole fleet of drones is down or they're being reconfigured and working for the other guy. So and I, I guess and it I depends think, on how good our military is. 
Well, and, you know, when it comes to the the Foo Fighters in World War II, mm-hmm. I swear to you they were drones of some sort. Mm-hmm. Yep, plasma drones is what I think they were, intelligently yeah. controlled. But, yeah, definitely interesting. Yeah, yeah because they, they never really spotted... Um, other other than the lights, they never spotted, at least I don't believe they did, they never spotted um, a solid mm-hmm. anything. <clears throat> right. So it was, all, it was almost like, and the, other, I, the analogy came to me the other night when I was playing with my cats in the laser beam. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the cats were all over trying to chase this, this laser beam. There was nothing there, and you know, before I mm-hmm. killed my cat, you know, I thought, I, I thought, this is exactly what happened with the fighters. There was there was somebody with not a laser beam, but something similar that could holographically, you know, shoot the light to reflect off a cloud or whatever, mm-hmm. and sure. and yeah. that that's what that's what our fighters saw. Mm-hmm. They, totally possible. Well, yeah, lasers. Uh, well, SCI went and morphed into another classified project, but you have all kinds of weapon systems with um yeah, with what you're describing would would be kind of a laser technology to some degree. Yeah, I could see that. Definitely could see that. Another I see them as plasma too. And like I said, I, I had relatives that were in World War Two and I never got to talk to them because they passed away. But I would be one was a fighter pilot who flew like to Germany, like forty nine missions to Germany. But I'm sure mm-hmm. he would have interacted with something. I, I would have loved to have asked him if he had noticed I'm sure he might have noticed something. He must have. Forty nine missions. Must have seen something, but um, I would think. yeah, I would think so too. Yep. Well, Jeannie's father too. was Jeannie's father was one of the um, guards at Area Fifty One. Oh yeah, yeah. and well, and uh, <clears throat> right up to the day he died, she tried to get something out of him, and he just smiled at her and winked. Oh yeah, they can't say anything. They can't say a word. And a lot of the time, well, their security I, there is just like. Whack and nut anyway, or whack and hut. It used to be. I don't know. That's kind of embarrassing. I don't know what they're using now. But it was overseen by the CIA. It was a national security site overseen by the uh, CIA, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if the Air Force took it back or not. It's interesting. He couldn't say anything. I mean, these guys basically are going to get taken out or worse or lose their clearance, whatever. Well, they he say was dying of cancer. I mean, what could they do to him? Not much. But yeah, well, there's some people that do leak data. Although it's like a few people here and there will open, they'll give you kind of a hint, like an inkling that you're on the right path, but they won't say anything. They can't give you any more details. So I've noticed that. Mary, like Mary, uh, right Mary Joyce had a thing on her um, website, um, Skyships Over Cashiers, about an army guy that was put out in the desert to um, maintain something out there. And, and he was told, you know, there are aliens that live in the ma- in the mountains that are in the um, caves there. And um, they are very humanoid, but they will come out. But, you know, don't talk to them because, you know, you don't. And apparently the women, I know where it was. It was in the desert near Las Vegas. And apparently the hmm. women liked to order clothing and go into Las Vegas um, and just mix and mingle. Hmm. That's interesting. Is yeah, she, that was... live in an underground base somewhere? I mean, it almost sounds like personality. Yeah. If you get, if you get yeah. broken away from the mainstream, you become more extraterrestrial just because you're not part of the collective anymore. 
Yeah, well, no, the, you know? they did live. They did live in um, <clears throat> bases that were in the mountains there, but they mm-hmm. did come out from time to time, um, and he did see them. They would bring children out to play and stuff like that, and he, um, he, you know, he was told not to interact with them, and he didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but they were definitely there, and uh, mm-hmm. and it was it was a fascinating interview. Oh, I bet. So yeah. sounds very interesting. Well, she, she gets great stuff. She really does. She does. She always does. Yeah, it's very cool. Well, like I said, there's so many worlds existing simultaneously. It's kind of like, uh, you know, if people were to understand what was really going on with advanced technology, they would be mind blown. I don't think they'll ever catch up to that because they don't want the masses to know what they're doing. So, you know, those of us who kind of get an inkling of what's happening here are definitely in between spaces of what where we're supposed to be on the timeline. Well, what gets me is that there's all that technology out there, and everybody on the Earth right about now is is being um, gosh put under a great deal of stress because of you know, oh, yeah. raising raising money uh you know everything is raising in prices i mean you can't it, mm-hmm. you almost can't survive and yet yeah. they have the That's tools the and the and the and the technology and everything that could make make life so much easier for all of us and mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we have so true. people breaking into our country right, left, up, and down, and um, because this is supposed to be the place where the streets are gold, and um, you know, I, I I don't know why they would want to come here, except you know, if they're coming from a worse place, I guess that would be why. But I mm-hmm. mean. I just how how are we to be expected to to take care of them and and then we're sending trillions of dollars to the Ukraine when when there there's a town here in this country that's just been poisoned to death. Mhm. Right. Yeah, priorities are way off. It does definitely need to be reset. There's no doubt about it, but reset beyond any configuration that we currently have. So, you know, I'd like to see um, the stuff in Antarctica released. I told you that before, beyond Antarctica and the jump points there. And I find that once we really take down the veil, the real veil that's been keeping a barrier between these two different areas from the, um, you know, if you're going south, you're going to Antarctica and beyond, I find that that's a sequence to where we need to be doing. And so far as, you know, if they want to do a mass extermination here, which is what it sounds like to me, they want to get rid of the people at the ground level, which means everybody here is a mass collective, just kind of get them eradicated and put them in a, the most uh, horrible position possible and then eventually just um, consider them collateral damage while they play their war games with their, their advanced uh, weapons systems. I think that's really what they're looking at. But for a lot of us, I we don't belong so. here and uh, we're in the middle of the crossfire. So that's not acceptable. Something's got to give. No, I, I agree with you. I, I think that there is, there is absolutely no, um, I mean, when you think of, of, our, our founding fathers and taking care of the people here. And, of course, then we went and we destroyed Indians. So, that, you know, we didn't do too well either. But, you know, we, we there's, there's something going on here that no one is paying attention to the normal people. 
and the normal people mm. are the ones that are suffering the most, and the normal mm-hmm. people are the and and then I, I forget the number, but there's a whole bunch of um, of Chinese people who are now being brought into the country. Why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting, I mean, I, isn't it? They're all shaking hands over the table, apparently. Yeah, well, you know, well, it's the whole idea. It's a free-for-all. They, they never wanted America to be independent. They want everybody to be one one flavor of something, you know, in my opinion. But I still think it's more about everyone's collateral damage at the linear scale, and then those who are part of the breakaways are going to go into a different space-time. I mean, that's just my perspective on it. Um, I'm well, not you planning know, it's, on it's, being part of this game board, though. No, no, I'm not either. But, you know, I'm okay if the proletariat, all the all these people that the rules don't uh, don't mean anything to. I'm, I'm fine with them if they want to go off planet. It's mm-hmm. only a one-way ticket, though. You know, I wouldn't give them enough gas to get back here. Uh, you know, I, well, I want to leave. I want to get off planet. I'm, I'm, that's my <laughs> – I don't want them following me. <laughs> well, but, the thing know, is, I, no, I, think I, I don't want to – You know, the, the controllers, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I don't want to be with them. Um, you know, just mm-hmm. you know, put me someplace that you know is is quiet and peaceful. I mean, I you know, I, I don't know how. Right. I may have twenty five. I may have twenty five years left or so. But you know, I when I look at at what what's going on in the country today, it's horrifying to me, and I oh, just yeah. can't imagine. And it happens so fast. I mean, it. Well, it did. It, it happens. happens yeah, after the shutdown, I think it was expedited. Yeah. It just uh and 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 yet people seem to think that the rules don't apply to them. And and I'm not just mm-hmm. talking about politicians and stuff. Um we've got I live in my my condominium complex has 14 units in it. And there's one lady in here that doesn't think that the rules apply to her. I mean, and, and to the extent that she hasn't paid her dues, her HOA dues, for eight months. And wow. As far as they don't kick her out. Well, you'd think that would be easy, but it's not because she owns the building. that She, that she owns her condo. Oh. Um, we right, own yeah. the outside of it, but we don't own the inside of it. And... Mm-hmm. There, there's she. It, renting is not allowed, and she's been renting it for two years. Um, mm. We finally have a lawsuit going on against her, but I don't believe she has any intention of paying or moving or anything. Wow, and that's interesting. It's it's almost like the rules don't you know don't apply to her, and. Mm-hmm. Um, she has tons of LLCs all over the place, but she only claims to have earned $10,000 a year, so she gets food stamps and everything for her and her seven children. Oh but she gosh. makes more money seven and is worth kids? more than... Yeah. That's insane. She, she, That's a litter. She told... It's not even a... She, told, she didn't have children. <laughs> she had a litter. Um, I know. That's exactly a litter. Yep. Yeah. And, and 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 she lies, and it does. And, and the rules don't apply to her. She has no, you know. I and I finally got to the point where I said, 
it, I don't know why it took so long for this to sink into my head. Rules are fabulous if people are honest and they live by the rules. Mm-hmm. But if they're not honest, they're they not. don't live by them, and you can't make them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. That's the whole problem. It's corruption everywhere from, from A to Z. doesn't matter what level, what you know, political position, whether it's just regular Joe or somebody in D.C. It's all corrupted. Yeah. I mean, we've spent yeah, $15,000 in trying to get her to pay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, the fact that they're on food stamps really bothers me. There are a lot of people that have taken advantage of that. And oh, yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. You know, well, let, let's just have them do it. You know, they're whipping out $100 bills but along with their food stamps. What's going on here? You know? So, oh, I, I think they're yeah, I, I stood behind a lady in the grocery store one day, mink coat long fingernails, um, jewelry all over her hands, with enough food on the on the conveyor belt to feed me for half a year. Mm-hmm. And when the total came, she handed over food stamps. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, they're scammers, man. I'm telling you, they're good at it too. I mean if you're gonna do that don't 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 make such a a radical difference between what you're claiming and what you are. I mean, right? At least look the part, I'm, right? <laughs> I'm surprised she yeah. didn't have her chauffeur come in and get the food. You know, I just. I'm kidding. Well, that's true. A lot of people that cry poor are not poor at all. Yeah. Yeah. They know how to scam. And and then there are people that really deserve help, and they can't get it mm-hmm. because. Right. Because, you know, because they bring in $5 too much, so they can't have, you know, the um, Medicare and all of the stuff that they, they need. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I know someone that, that is taking care of two elderly parents, and he can't get help. That's insane. And, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it's true. To be able to. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just amazing to me, though. It's just, the system is jacked up. It really is. And there are people who have, like I said, it's just like it's, it's so off balance, it's not even funny anymore. So, yeah, insurance is absolutely off the rails when it comes down to it. And some of this other stuff, yeah, you have to wait until you're how many years old before you get the other, the good, I don't say it's good stuff, but I'm saying it's less expensive. But that should be a yeah. given for everybody at any age. I don't think that you should have to wait until you're 65 or whatever age it is to get, was it Medicare or something? Um, uh, yes. I think, yeah, I think. Yeah. I think they should be able to get it at any age. I think that's BS, quite honestly. That should change. And what about what happened in France? They they what, they raised the um, the limit for retirement. Oh, to 100? How old now? <laughs> Work until oh, you're free. Work until you're free, Dachau. Just call it Dachau Paris. That's crazy. Oh, wow. How old is it? I mean, how, how many I, I don't, how old is it? I don't know, but they had riots because of it. <laughs> well, can you imagine? And, I mean, you're getting older. I can see if you want to keep yourself busy. I get that. But some people are tired. They're worn out. They're getting older. They just want to retire, and they can't, right? That's sick well, to me. Know, that's, that's, a, that's a death camp, okay? That's a death camp. Work until you're free. And that was the motto. And that's why I say Dachau, because that's what it yeah. was, work until you're free. Well, what do you think people have been doing? And you, everything's a concentration camp right now. You work until you're free. You work until you're free. You don't have to be in a concentration camp. You are a concentration camp. Sorry. It's true. Well, you know, it's it's I was forced into retirement in my forties. But that's all right. I don't think 
I don't think I have ever worked harder in my life since I retired. Is I that mean, right? No. I've, oh, my goodness. I've been working, doing the metaphysical work and, you know, everything connected with that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the radio shows and reading a book a week and then writing books and then um, Mark, turned out to be sure. the, Mark turned out to be the best bookie ever. He booked mm-hmm. me into 21 shows to Sweet. interview for the for the book. Wonderful. Yeah, but when you do four a week or five a week, it gets tiring. Oh, I know. Yeah, but you know what? You're doing you're doing it independently, and I think that it beats being working for other people. Having to show up uh-huh. in an office for somebody you really don't like and being around people you really don't like just to put up with it for a paycheck is really a bad. In my opinion, it's a bad idea. I believe in entrepreneurs, and it's really rough. Oh, yeah. So, so even if you're retired, you're doing everything, but you're at your own. I mean, even if you're busy, you're working for yourself versus having to oh, go yeah. in it and sit there and hang out with a, you know, a boss. So I think that that's, well, no. uh, you know, that's, that's a perk. No, I, I did, I did, I, I taught school for 25 years, so I, I did the, yeah, so the day-to-day the day grind. But um, it just, uh, but I think you're right. If it's, if it's for yourself, it, it's work and you're still tired, but you know, it's it's something that that fuels you on another level, not necessarily monetary, because right. I don't I I don't get paid for any of this stuff, but um, mm-hmm. but it still makes me feel richer because the only person that benefits is me, and and of course whoever does the show mm-hmm. with me and stuff like that. But it used to be when I started doing the interviews. Gosh, I don't know how many years ago that was, but let's say, oh, wow, let's say 10, let's say 10 years. When I started doing interviews on the show, you know, for authors that had written books, um, at that time, I would, you know, talk to an author and ask them to do an interview, and he'd say, you know, I'd love to, but how much is it going to cost me? They they used mm. to pay you. They used to pay you to be on your show. Good grief! Yeah. Now, if that had fit, I've never if done that. that. Had kept going. Well, no, I didn't mm-hmm. either. I, I said, you know, uh, it's like bribing you know, I, people. <laughs> I'll give you fifty bucks if you come on my show. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the other yeah, way around. Please, be broke. I mean, please no, let, let me. Let people. me. Let me be on your show so you so the world can hear about my book, you know. But and they they were doing it. They were paying. I don't mm-hmm. know twenty dollars, twenty five dollars, whatever it was. That's ridiculous. I would never pay anybody to be on my show. As it is, you're giving them free advertising, and that's what I've always said. And you're getting a big audience. A lot of the time, you get a good audience. And plus, there's replays, oh, yeah. there's archives. I mean, the promotion alone to put the promotion together, and you know this, is it's free promotion. Oh, yeah. It's free publicity for crying out loud. You shouldn't be paying anybody be on a show they should be honored to be on the show and i know that's the case but it is interesting that they would do that yeah they they really thought they had to pay to be on the show and and mm-hmm. you know well i thought it was a great idea at the time i mean you know i never charged anyone <laughs> but, no but so uh it, it has changed you know and and mm-hmm. so happily happily um they do it for free and i do it for free and it works out for everybody but um mm-hmm. I, I wish there were, I, I know for a while there, most authors 
for a while, authors stopped really wanting to do the podcast because they said, you know, they really weren't selling books through the podcasts. And mm-hmm. um, I'd love to know how they figure out if they are. I mean, do you have any way of telling if, if you know, you have sales that were due selling? to podcasts? Yeah. Uh, I can't tell, quite honestly. I don't. I never really thought about it. But I, I mean, I can get my information from Amazon, and they send me information. You know, they obviously they give you a percentage of of how much you sell per month, and then eventually at the end of the year, you know, with all your taxes and this that, and the other. But it's never been a whole lot of money, so I'm not sure how that works. I think that people who are on like coast to coast or something can get a, a big pull when it comes down to publicity, and I think they might be able to get a lot of good book sales. But I've even heard on that level that they really don't get the sales that used to be able to get because I think the listeners dropped on that, no pun intended, you know, no offense to coast to coast, but uh, it's not what it used to be. So once again, I like the listeners as, as, as much as it used to be. On well, that. a lot so, of them, a yeah, lot I think mean, the books are, are offered free too. You know, you get free downloads right. of the books. So Yeah, Kindle, I mean, I don't know if it's free or not, but yeah, a lot of them are. And, but you know what? You just you put it out there because you want to. I think most authors do. They put the information out because it's, it's what they want to do. And if they make money at it, that's fabulous. But I would never, ever say you're going to make a lot of money unless you're like a Stephen King. I mean, honestly, oh, uh, if I had to survive off of what I made, I would never uh, forget it, you know. I had <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew a couple of people a while back that had, that had written books and they were going to get published and they already had their plans for retiring on, on the royalties. And, you know, I sat wow. there and I listened and I said, you know, you just, you don't get rich on the royalties. You just don't. And, and no, they you looked don't. at me like, and, and when, when my cards came out originally, um, I think they sold for $29. And of that, I got 20 cents. Oh, good grief. Wow. So, so you're almost better selling them in person, like signed copies or something, you know, when it comes to books or anything else. But, yeah, but then you well, have to I go think, and do the traveling and you have to be in places. Go, go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I, now the cards will come out again um, probably sometime this summer. And mm-hmm. um, they, well, you know, and, and I will be dealing directly with – because. Uh, Ken has arranged for their republication. But um, I know Stephen King only gets, I think, three cents a book he sells, but he sells so many. And he writes so prolifically. Yeah, Hollywood movies. And, you know, with that alone, once you get a a screenplay going and you have it in Hollywood, I think they would make some money. Although Philip K. Dick got screwed over from what I understand. So I don't think he made the money he was supposed to make through a lot of his beautiful works and according to his wife. Uh, Tessa, so you know, I don't think he made the big money. So well, yeah, it, I, I think it's, it's just it's, really ebb and flow. Well, you know, I I really um, I didn't realize for quite a while that I was getting um, royalties from from Kindle and and stuff uh, on Patrick's and Patrick's books and my book. Um, you know, there there would be you know. Two dollars and fifty-three cents, or you know, there there would little pieces of money, not huge. You know, mm-hmm. when Patrick published oh, yeah, the day books I originally, a, yeah. oh, when when his books came out originally, he got royalty checks for five or six thousand dollars a month. He was well, that's nice, that's excellent. Oh, that, that was way way far far in the past because <laughs> they were the only yeah, books out still, there on awesome. the topic. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I think your book, Rockwell, that this one you just released, I think has potential to sell quite a bit. So I wouldn't underestimate that one in royalties. And your and your oh. Oracle deck and your, your deck that you're putting out. But, um, that's, yeah, that's, you know. Well, the, the re, the, I put the cards out originally 31 years ago, and I told Kaplan, who owned U.S. Games, I said, these cards are a sleeper. It isn't time for them yet. And I think it's time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he had me under contract to do a, a handbook for them. But um, I, I, I put something together, and he wanted so many changes in it that I just didn't do them. And um, so, you know, the contract ran out after 20-some years. So, uh, you know, it, was, it, it didn't happen. And I'm doing mm-hmm. the handbook now, and I have a publisher for him. So... Um, it will come out. We're going to hold the deck back until the book is ready to go out at, at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's great. So, yeah. So, so we'll see what what we'll see what happens then. Mm-hmm. It would it would be nice. I mean, I I looked for the cards on Amazon and they don't have them on Amazon. The only place I could find them was on um, ABE Books, and mm. they wanted two hundred dollars for the deck. Holy cow, that's ridiculous. Wow. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad I bought mine when I did. Well, you'll have to get a <laughs> That's a lot. You'll have to get you'll have to get one of the new decks too cuz I, I I will make hey, sure yeah. you get one. They're oh, they're hexagon shaped. That's like, so, I like that. so they cool. Should, Looking yeah, I think. Yeah, I I am too. I Ken's getting them put into the hexagon shape. So he's doing mm-hmm. that work. I'm writing the book and Sometime this summer it'll all come together, and then we'll see what happens. Wonderful. Well, that's yeah, it's fabulous. Be, yeah, it's, it's, I'm looking forward to it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, it's funny. Every time, every time you know, uh, and we're putting out the poetry book again, too. So oh, nice. it's funny because, because I've been swearing I'm writing a book, and every time a book gets published, it's not the book I'm really talking about. <laughs> oh, it's so. So the whis- whispers coming out again is not the book I'm talking about. Roswell is not the book I was talking about. Even the handbook for the deck is not the do- n- not the book I'm talking about. So mm-hmm. someday I'll get a chance to actually write the book I've been talking about. Well, you're going down checklist. Yep, I think you're doing great. You've got it all moving. That's the, that's the momentum's there. Energy's there. Now, do you have a new one coming out? Well, I just put those two out. I mean, the one I put on the time travel, which is just, you know before the first of the year. So, um, not yet, but you know, I'll be I'll be writing again. I'm putting a star map out. That's what I'm going to be doing a different uh, star map. I'm going to be putting together. So that'll be something okay. that I'll be working on. It's going to take a lot of detail though. Take some time. That sounds that. fascinating. It's going to be fun. Now- yeah. Now, a star map would be what? Well, it's from a different space-time configuration. It's just my data codes of information that I've correlated that I want to put into some kind of a blueprint or a template. So I've decided to put it in a booklet. And how people have digested it is how they digest it, but it, it means something to me. So the reason I put my work out is it's important to me. Uh, and if people resonate with it, that's good. So that's part of the equation. 
And it has a lot to do with, um, you know, I always mention how we're in the wrong space-time configuration. Well, we, when you move to a different space-time, there's all different coordinates and different star systems and, and things that I can tell are there. Um, and I want to put it down. I just want to have it there. I want to document it. So that's that's what I'm doing. It's not a program well, on the Internet, you know. I, th- I think most writers actually write for themselves. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's important. So, you know, it's one of those things, like, like you, I'm sure you get that vibe that it's important for you to have certain information out. It's important for me to, as well. So it's my little time capsule among time capsules. <laughs> it's kind of like a secret decoder, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. But, you know, I think I think we all have a, a level or kind of something we want to leave behind. And, mm-hmm. you know, not that I'm making ready to exit or anything like that, but it it did occur to me that um, when I go, um, you know, someday my website will be taken down, and mm-hmm. then what of what I've written is going to be preserved. Right. And um, now with a handbook... Um, I'm not sure about that. That that has turned into a monster. But I think the book that I want to write is the 101 Spiritual Questions. I like that. And I'll get the 100 done, and the 101st one is, why did I write this damn book? So. <laughs> uh, no, you'll, I think it's a good idea. And I like the idea that you're not going anywhere. I don't see you going anywhere. You'll be, a, you'll be here for a while. You're one of the lighthouses. I will be. Yeah, well, for sure. It's, it's, so far, it's been a fun journey. I, I really don't. Mm-hmm. Somebody said to me one time, what do the people who follow you um, think of what you've done with your life so far? And I said, I'm horrified to think anybody's following me because I don't know where I'm going. And what does it matter what they think of you anyway? Is that the thing? What, what do you think of me is none of your business, or you know? Yeah, it's just. I think you're doing fabulous. Well, well, you know, it it horrifies me to think that anybody's following me now. If they pay attention mm-hmm. to what I what I write, and you know, to the authors that I have on the show, and to talks like you and I are having tonight, if they pay attention to that and get something from it. That's fabulous. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's only one me, there's only one you. Anybody could field. do ex- exactly. <laughs> you know, but every anybody could do exactly what we've done to get to the, this point in time and they would not be in the same place we're in. No. So no. so it's kind of like don't do what I do, you know? Uh, you know, it, it, follow your own path, make your own path, because mm-hmm. it's the only way you're going to get to where you have to be. Oh, so true. Yeah, so true. I think people do eventually, but it's nice to be able, like, you have so many wonderful interviews at this network, so many people, so many great guests. I mean, I, I know I've taken a few from you, and, of course, I've interviewed you as well. And I think that that's important, because people do get to hear some wonderful shows, I mean, really good shows, and that helps them on their journey. Oh yeah, no, I yes, I think that uh, some of the people we've had on that I thought were, it's it's really funny. I tell Mark all the time if I absolutely love a show and think it's the 
best show I've ever done, it doesn't archive well at all. And yet if there's a show that, you know, that I wasn't too terribly impressed with, it's in the thousands. So, you know, I'm the kiss of death. You know, if I like a show, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> but, 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 um, <clears throat> but you're right. I mean, I think we have over 700 shows that we've put up mm-hmm. so far. And um, I said I said to Mark the other day, I think we should really go through all the shows that we've done and categorize them so that we can show people how how extremely varied the shows are. I mean, they're not just on one topic. They're they go they go you know, from from UFOs to unicorns and everything in between. Um mm-hmm. we've hit just about every topic there is except politics. Oh, don't go there. It's too no, toxic. That's the only, that's, I mean, we talk religion, but we don't talk politics. And, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't I, bother and with it. it mm-hmm. Well, no. And, and uh, you know, I, I think there are so many people that have so much to share and so much to say. And mm-hmm. schools just aren't doing their job anymore. I mean, at all. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And. It's like the Alexandrian archives. I mean, you know, seriously, it's it's like knowledge is gnosis. You have to go look for it. You're never going to find it in mainstream education. That goes for colleges. Even these these really nice so-called elite colleges are nothing. It's a club, basically. No. Get you more money, but that's it. <clears throat> well, yeah, and that's what gets me. It's it's kind of like uh, you, you look at. I mean, I, I have one grandchild in college and. One who's looking at colleges, and I'm thinking, I know they're going to spend a hundred thousand dollars easy a year on these kids for colleges, mm-hmm. and it will get them a better paycheck at some point in time, maybe. But what have they learned? They haven't learned anything. Mm-hmm. And no. when I think of, I did the four years in college, and I did two master's degrees, and nothing I learned in any of those places prepared me for doing what I'm doing today or Correct. gave me anything, I, nothing that I learned in college, nothing um, has helped me to build a better life or a greater philosophy or reach in, I mean, nothing. And it was just such a waste mm-hmm. of money. And yet I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't had what I had. So, right. you know, it's, it's something so it's, new. It's pathetic. Um, mm-hmm. I think the only thing in high school I learned was I took um, mechanical drawing, ar- architectural design, and mm-hmm. what I learned in those two classes in high school enabled me to paint the mandalas that became the cosmic oh, nice. deck. Very cool. And the only that's and nice. the only reason only reason I took those two classes was because that's where the boys were. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I was the only girl there. <laughs> I learned how to I learned how to use a compass and a ruler, ruler you know, and and uh, mm-hmm. and that's that's where it all came from. But mm-hmm. but when you look at at um, you know people today, it's I, I mean I my son well he went to law school and he's a lawyer, so I guess I guess that paid off for him. But as far as the four years of college, not so much. 
Mm-hmm. It just gave him the right. foundation to go into law school. He had to have four years of college before he could go into law school. Right, yeah, that's the whole idea. It's kind of like a club thing. It really is. It's a piece of paper to get you into another area so you can make some money. But definitely uh-huh. when there's a bigger scenery and a multiverse, it, it, the world is a very different place when you look at it from a different um, you know, configuration of your mind. And it's not what, what it's cracked up to be with the linear educations at all. So people are in for a shock, and I think that's why they live in their little worlds and they stay in that little linear realm where it's safe. It's a safe space for them, and they don't want to navigate in between you know, timelines or anything else or go into a, a different state of consciousness to expand because it's safe where they're at. But it's also a, a facade. Well, look, look what's happened, you know, because of the, the shutdown, we, we finally have numbers out there proving how far behind our children are in in mm-hmm. reading and arithmetic. And, you know, both of that. those aspects, parents could teach their children. Sure. Just remember flashcards, I mean, for crying out loud? I know you do. You're a teacher. Oh, yeah. Remember those? But, but I mean, come on. You can well, have those at home. My son... We used to play, you know, the sound game as far as the letters and what they sounded like. He was reading at, I think, four. Um, yep, yep. You know, he was, you know, before he went to school, he could read because yep. that's what we did. We played with with letters and 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 numbers and you know. So so I think that I was reading at four years old too. Yeah, I was I was walking around reading books, reading adult books. I oh, think the greatest, Before I even showed up. One, of, one of the greatest, not the greatest, but, but well, no, maybe it is one of the greatest. Um, one of the greatest gifts you can give your child is a joy of reading because mm-hmm. yeah. it, 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 you know, it opens worlds to them. And, and you know, I, I guess I have to take back. I didn't learn anything at school. Um, I read voraciously. <laughs> I love reading. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I just, awesome. you know, if it's a if it's a five or a six hundred page book, I I salivate because I know it'll keep me going for a couple of days, um, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 so, you know, the joy of reading, the love of reading, is something that I think, you know, if you can instill that in your child, that you've opened worlds to them, they're going to be able I to learn agree. whatever they, you know, they're going to be able to learn whatever they need to learn. They'll be able to teach themselves. And, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, and I would take away um, cell phones from every child. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, they don't I, I need would, a cell phone. No, they don't. <clears throat> you know, we used to have beepers. I could see for an emergency or something, but no, they don't need them. No, and, and they spend so much time on them. And, and I have to admit, I do, too. Um, I don't spend much time on mine at all. Well, it it mine beeps at me every time there's a message or something, and oh no, you know, I now, the wall. No, I now leave it under a pillow. You know, I figure I will check it in the morning and at evening, <laughs> and that's it. And if anything, you know, crucial has happened, mm-hmm. somebody can pick up the phone. Right. But, yeah, there's um, no telephone line. Yeah. You know, there. It, it's just that when I think of what. I know, you know, and sooner or later they're going to want to put implants into us. And, you know, I'm old enough mm-hmm. to say, nope, I'm not doing that. Well, I've already been interconnected with stuff. So, yeah, I, I really, um, th- their version of AT&T in your head probably isn't the best solution to the equation. Yeah. No. 
think about it. I mean, the the earbuds mm-hmm. are bad enough. Um, but but you know, I I look at at the technology that's coming out, and I'm thinking, we're just we're just nano nanometers away from um, the chip inside of us. That's going to see. <laughs> yeah, it's all interface. Gonna, yeah. And, I don't think they'll and, need a chip. They'll just be signal-driven anyway. I mean, if they go the route where I've been, it's, it, there's no chips involved. You don't need chips. I think that's where they're heading. Yeah, definitely. I'm not sure, though, um, at what point. They may have a smaller collective for that. Who knows where they're heading with this crazy on this world right now. But it's interesting. <laughs> well, I think we'll be around to see it. I think I think within the next 20 years, there's going to be a lot of very fascinating things going on. Hopefully, I don't, hopefully I wouldn't nobody. Recognize this place in twenty years. No, I well, welcome to my world. Too. May not even be any people here anymore. Twenty years from now, you may not see one person on this world. I might like that. I know. You know, <laughs> so long as there's at least one gas station and one grocery store open, I'll be fine. Um, there you go. But but you look at you know it, it's kind of like. I kind of, <clears throat> I, I'm curious to see where it's going, and I'm fearful of where it's going. But you know, it, it, mm-hmm. who would have thought? Who would have thought it was at this point? Any, any? I mean, ten years ago, I wouldn't have been able to have predicted ten years in advance. Um, I know my predictions mm-hmm. um, for this year on the website. Um, a lot of them have happened already. And we're not even mm-hmm. halfway through. Mm-hmm. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very interesting to see what happens the second half of the year. Um, right. I, I, we're moving right along, too. We're almost at April. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's going so fast. Um, it, it feels like time is speeding up. And I don't know if when I was younger it just felt more lackadaisical or, or mm-hmm. if, my getting older, I'm perceiving it as going faster. I'm not sure which is appropriate, but whichever one it is, it feels like time is going faster. It's frequency more than life plane that's creating that, that that speed, in my opinion. But, yeah, I felt a little stagnant this past year, and then it, it shifted a little bit. Um, I think it has a lot to do with some of the stuff they're doing in the aerial warfare. But, yeah, there's definitely some stuff happening, moving Uh One of the things that came out in the stuff that I was writing for the book was something interesting. It it basically said that at the time of the solstices, the energetic shifting is going to be more profound than it ever has been before. So Mm -hmm. those times of the year, it's going to be a smart idea to be gentle with yourself and kick back a little bit because the element of being out of balance internally is going to be more extreme because the energy shift is going to be greater. Mm-hmm. That makes, that makes sense. sense to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, after, I, after I wrote it, I thought, well, that's an interesting... You know? <laughs> When when I do this stuff, it's all channeled. So, right. you know, I'm yeah. re- I'm reading along as I'm writing it, and every now mm-hmm. and then I'll back off and say, "Huh, 
Well, that's unusual. <laughs> that's good, though. I like that that aspect of I call it streaming nowadays. I guess it was channeling in the old days. I think we're just yeah, streaming data now. Yeah, it, that's quite possibly it. I mean, there was there was one place where I, I talked about an aspect for one of the cards was that um, it was very it, it was appropriate and important for uh, changing jobs and doing unique things and you know allowing yourself to celebrate the child within. And then in parentheses I wrote, but not but joining the circus is not an option. So. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's really good. No, there's some yeah, good we don't stuff want in there. Here. But, mm-hmm. but, uh, Sounds great. Well, you know, it's fun um, to a degree, but, you know, mm-hmm. each, each card is, is a lengthy right, and then you get to the next card, and you're, you're hitting the same qualities again but from a different viewpoint. So uh, it has been... A challenge. Um, I, I've, I've put off a couple of readings because I, I, I don't want to get people mixed into what I'm writing for the book. So, right, that makes sense. Oh yeah, but the cool thing about it is, it's stretching me unbelievably. So, um, you know, to to get you know to do readings after I'm done with it. Is going to be very interesting because there's so much more profound mm-hmm. stuff that seem to be more to the fore um, in my consciousness than they have been before. So anyway, I, I think it, at one point, at one point, I took I was talking about something and I said, you know, it's all right to reach for the stars. Who knows, you may catch one. Oh, absolutely, that's great. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I think I think when I. When I send it to you, I think you'll have fun with it. Um, oh yeah, I hope. Looking forward to it. Oh, I will. Looking forward to that. Oh. Uh, you you may not say that when you're done, but um, <laughs> I'll let you know. Okay. okay. I'm sure it'll be fine. But but you know, back to mummies. Um, or squirrels, whichever one you want to talk about. Squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I just noticed it's it on like the no. screen that that's where we were starting. Um, I th- I think you're right in your saying that the Egyptians may well have been copying something they saw and not know why. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because the apis apis bulls were mummified as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, why would why would they do that? I I realize that the bulls were sacred. Mm-hmm. You know they they weren't they were they weren't meant for the bull dancing they weren't meant for um, killing like bullfights but um, I think it's sort of like we put people in boxes and put them underground and that's our ritual and there's no point to it cremation is a, is you know a lot smarter mm-hmm. so right. um, yeah it's more. The emotional, I think it's the emotional release and healing of the people that are going to miss the person, the burial, uh-huh. you know, funerals, that sort of thing. But yeah, it just strikes me as you know, as you look at extraterrestrial intelligence and design. First of all, I think it was a lot of sentient machine uh, energies connected in back in the day and or forward, I should say. But that that appeals, and also um, 
I find that stasis comes to mind. In other words, it reminds me of the Halls of Amente. He wasn't really dead, but he was projecting himself into other multiverses. I think they were they were definitely trying to perhaps replicate a mystery school teaching or something, but maybe going in a very very different fashion. That's right. He was in hibernation, like he was he was correct. Um, so so that his body, uh, well, of course he was in, he was he was also eternal. So you know he wasn't mm-hmm. going to age or anything anyhow, but but he he went out of body in order to do the traveling. So they mm-hmm. yeah. protected his. So that's what that's what Indians do when they do the um, vision quests. You know somebody oh, okay. has to somebody has to watch over the body, and the ayahuasca is the same thing. Someone has to watch over mm-hmm. the body while the spirit is out right. celebrating or doing whatever it's going to be doing. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe they just misinterpreted it, and That's maybe possible. the the box concept may have been some sort of um, uh, portal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I don't know unit for for transmitting the body, and you know, uh, mm-hmm. most of most of the. Cases, I you know there there was there were granite parts to this stuff so that mm-hmm. you know if 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 it was in some sort of a a chamber that would would take you down to molecules and send the molecules someplace else that you know mm-hmm. maybe maybe it was a um, a beam of some sort a way of projecting yourself into another dimension reality or whatever. And they just misinterpreted it. All they saw was, you know, the going in and the coming out. They didn't understand what was going on inside. Yes, I agree with that part. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's very interesting. Well, it's kind but of yeah, like, you know, the, it's kind of like the, um, is it the Patagonia um, Islands where they, they made ships, that, you know, to, to not ships, but airplanes to you know, ask, ask the airplanes to come back and bring all of their treasures with them. That they thought that if they made the, the airships and and pretended to worship them, that they would come back because during the war they they built you know airstrips on those islands and mm-hmm. and they they brought food and all sorts of stuff in and then they were gone. Maybe it's the mm-hmm. same type of thing with the Egyptians. Only mm-hmm. only uh, the Egyptians took it a little further than the other people did. Uh, just just mm-hmm. recognize our time. Want to give out where your shows are so people know where to find you? Oh, sure. Well, thank you. This has been a wonderful show, as always, Barbara, so thank you. I'm at um, Hyperspace on KCOR, 12 midnight Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Pacific on Fridays, and Raising Star Switching Hour on Saturdays, 12 midnight Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Pacific. And, yeah, this has been a wonderful show. I always look forward to our, our beautiful uh, moments of philosophizing <laughs> about what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, well. Well, we did return to our start, which was not a bad thing. We did. All right. <laughs> but thanks nice. so much. I'm so your, your show is always wonderful, and I always have such a great oh, time with it. It's, it's uh, well, you make so it too. I, I, so thank you. Well, it takes two. You know, right. just just sitting. Good chemistry. Just sitting, giving a monologue is not as much fun as hearing a dialogue. Oh, it's not. I remember when I first started that, and I'm so grateful that. But you're here. It's fun. Thank you. I did that, too. (laughs) Okay, well, I will talk to you soon. 
Thanks so much for Thanks. being here, and I Thanks. will talk to you again soon, probably. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Good night now. Good night, everybody. Um, check in with us next week. Another good show coming up. And uh, do check the calendar because there are other shows in there, too. And uh, look forward to hearing and seeing you. And have a great night. And stay safe. The weather is crazy. You know, take an umbrella and rubbers wherever you go these days. Good night now.